0: KXNO, Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on
1: 1460, KXNO. Good morning and welcome in once again, Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Tuesday Excited to get started and for the next couple of hours talking the world of sports with you. Ken out again today as he'll be making his way back from Las Vegas. He was there for work the last couple of days. He'll be back later this afternoon. Back with us live on the program tomorrow. So it's you and me and a whole bunch of guests getting you through the next couple of hours at work on your lunch break, whatever it may be, coming up until noon today. It's a busy one, and we're going to talk Super Bowl coming up with our first guest of the afternoon on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. Ted Haslip from the Sporting News. He is in Miami. In fact, right now he's at a media availability for the Kansas City Chiefs. That'll be wrapping up here in just moments. We'll track him down at about 1025. Talk Super Bowl with him, and we will set the scene live from Miami. Our first shot down to Miami this week and talk with Tad Haslip of the Sporting News. Then Brian Harden, the athletic director with the Drake Bulldogs, he's going to stop by. A lot going on in the world of Drake athletics. The uh, naming of, how crazy is this? Drake's hometown team? Well, it's going to be hometown weekend. They eat a eat handed down, and that is what it's going to be this weekend. Brian Harden has done excellent work of getting this basketball program back on solid footing. Now it's about continuing to build, and the marketing efforts have been there. Now it's about getting people out there, getting into the NAP Center, people maybe that have never been before, people getting those newbies there and then getting them to come out again. We'll talk about the still hill that they need to climb at Drake and all the positives that they have going over there on Forest Avenue. That's coming your way at about 1045. 11 o'clock, we'll kick off our number two with plenty of Hawkeye top as John Bonacamp from Sports Illustrated will be here, we'll talk with him about the victory last night. He was there Sunday for the retirement ceremony for Mega Gustason. We'll get into that. Some Iowa football news and notes as well. Lots to talk about with John Bonacamp at 11 o'clock. And we'll finish up the guest list at 11.25 with Zuba Mahente from ESPN. His normal Tuesday spot, he'll be by, of course, a lot on Kobe Bryant. He was, in fact, in the studio chair when the news was breaking on ESPN. Zubin has been put in these spots a couple of different times where he's the guy that is there on set when tragedy is hit, and he's done an excellent job with it. A lot of outpouring of Zubin Mahente from the national media over the weekend, and uh, we'll talk to Zubin. Certainly a lot of NBA talk, Kobe talk, what's happening tonight with the Lakers, Clippers, bunch of things to get into with Zubin Mahente. That's 11-25. You can also join us here at 284-5966. That's 515 284 K-X-N-O, your thoughts as we're going to start, well, where you'd anticipate after last night, a rare Monday night game for Iowa basketball. And I was going to go through and try to find the last time that they played on a Monday, just ran out of time, building up a bunch of different things here today because this is a rarity. You know, for years growing up, at least for me, Big Monday was about the Big 12 and the Big East. Big East of the 6 o'clock game, 8 o'clock game would be the Big 12. That's what it was for years and years and years. And the Big 10 was part of Super Tuesday. It didn't have the same kind of pull. It didn't have the same kind of notoriety that Big Monday did, at least back in the 90s. Here today, well, things are all different. And the Big 10 has extended their schedule. And we talked about this four years ago when the Big 10 made the decision. They were going from 16 to 18 games. You know what we're going to try to do? We're going to put a couple of these games in the beginning of December. Instead of trying to cram 18 games and has turned into now 20 conference games that the conference plays. And try to do that from late December, early January all the way up until March. Let's get a couple of those games out of the way. Well, with that, another thing that they've done and another thing that they've changed is the way the schedule is set up. Friday basketball games. We talked about this last week after Iowa played Michigan. The TV ratings that they got. The biggest number ever on FS1 regardless of the day of the week. It came on a Friday, a Friday night with Iowa playing Michigan. The previous high was an Iowa-Michigan State game uh, a year ago in that one. So this is something that the connection with Big Ten Network and Fox, those are partners together along with ESPN and still being part of that brand, is you're going to play games. It's not the old days of the 80s. For me, growing up, Thursday night, you watch Iowa basketball at 7, 9 o'clock, Knott's Landy's comes on, you watch that with mom, and you get to go to bed late. That was what I had Back in the day. And then he played on Saturday. Maybe Sunday. But for the most part, it was Thursday, Saturday. He had travel partners. you would make a trip up. you would play in Ann Arbor. And then he'd play in East Lansing. you would play in West Lafayette. And then you would play in Bloomington. That was the setup back in the 80s. But that has changed. And television has changed that and the way the schedule is set. So a rare Monday game, which is an oddity in itself. To the game. And as you were listening to me yesterday, there's nothing on the court. That it felt bad about the matchup for Iowa. You know what Wisconsin's going to do? They're going to try to muck it up. They're going to be ugly. They're going to cr- clutch and grab and hold, and that's, that's what the Badgers do. That's their style of basketball. That's how they play, and that's how they played now for seemingly two and a half decades. And you go back to Bennett Ball, they get to the NCAA tournament with Michael Finley, Shar Griffin for the first time in seemingly forever. And after those guys moved on, it was slow it down, pace, Bo Ryan comes in, very slow pace, swing offense, and they're going to grind you on the defensive end. That hasn't changed. That is the same style of basketball that you're going to get. But I was played teams like that, and I has been fine against teams like that. But they weren't last night. Last night was one of those nights. Shots weren't going down. And it wasn't just the three-pointers. You know, that's the easiest part of this to look at. Iowa goes three of 20. Don't shoot the ball well. Only have one three pointer in the first half, two in the second half. It wasn't a great shooting night, but it wasn't just that. They went 10 of 19 on layups. Layups. Shots constituted three feet or in from the rim, according to the advanced stats last night. 10 of 19. At one point in the second half, as they're trying to grind back, Davidson hits a couple of early threes. They're working. They're trying. They're doing everything. They're getting the ball inside. Garza wasn't hitting. Luka Garza wasn't hitting shots. They finished 2 of 8 in the second half at one point, 10 of 19 for the game in layups. Layups. That's how rough it was last night. But Iowa found a way. Let's get into the highlights from last night, starting in the first half and mentioning those three-pointers. It took a long time. C.J. Frederick finally got the Hawkeyes going. Oh, Frederick, open three, and that's the first man First made three-pointer of the game. Iowa goes 1 of 11 in the first half from downtown. It was a rough start, and even as poorly as Iowa played at times, they went into the locker room, tied up, and they did it because of Joe Toussaint. Ten seconds until halftime. Toussaint on the push down three end Eight. to end using his speed and using the window. And he'll go to the line for one more. Hits the layup. It's 30 30 as the Hawkeyes go into the half at a game where at times it certainly didn't even feel like they should be in it. But they come out of the locker room and it gets ugly early on. Right away, a guy that will probably live in infamy for a while with Hawkeye fans, Brad Davidson couple of early threes.
0: Five boards tonight for Wall, making the start for Kobe King, who's not here. Davison with the three, and that falls.
1: A couple of three-pointers. It's 36-30, and from there, Wisconsin, for the next 11 minutes of game action, they advanced out to a double-digit lead. Every time Iowa would have a run, Wisconsin would have an answer. The offense was uneven, uncharacteristically for Iowa. One of the best offensive teams in the country could never get it going. But they didn't give up. They didn't wilt. And this continues to be the difference with this Iowa basketball team. A game like this. You've seen games like this. A team that you feel was better than coming in on paper. You're at home. You're in Carver. Feels like that should be a victory for the Hawkeyes. You've seen this before. You've even seen it against some of the Wisconsin teams. Yet, Iowa finds a way. They continue to dig. They continue to fight. And it continued once again... With Joe Toussaint. Bouncing on the baseline, but a little too tall for Rivers Toussaint got away with a hold there. Toussaint driving into traffic and the blocking foul on Brad Davison. They give him the continuation, a continuation that shouldn't have been, but he gets the bucket, gets it down to single digits, and Iowa keeps coming. They keep coming, and they do it with their other freshman guard, CJ Frederick again. There weren't many of them, but he had another big three pointer for the Hawks.
0: Trying to extend the 6
1: 0 run. Toussaint leaving Frederick with the three. C.J. Frederick has a flair for the dramatic. This is a guy we've talked about going back throughout this season against Cincinnati, against Texas Tech, a guy that wants the ball in big situations. He wants the ball late. He wants to be the guy that is going to make the big shot, take the big shot. He's not scared. And we've seen guys in the past in Iowa uniforms that have wilted. In those big moments. We have seen the guys that seem nervous taking the big shot. That's not C.J. Frederick. C.J. Frederick has been a complete revelation for this basketball team. What he's been able to do. Not just the shooting ability, but the ability to get to the rim. Get to the foul line. There's a lot more to his game. Plus, he is a plus defender on the other end of the floor. This is something I didn't anticipate seeing from this guy. He redshirts his fresh first year. How good can this guy possibly be? A lot better, I think, than anybody could have anticipated. That three gets it back within 57-40. And then the Hawkeyes take their first lead since it was 21-20 in the first half on Joe Toussaint's and one.
0: Toussaint, seven to shoot, into the paint,
1: shot, a throw, and a foul! Tie game in Iowa City! Toussaint hits the free throw, 60-59, Iowa gets the lead. It's back and forth down the stretch. Joe Wieskamp with the great drive off the curl cut, coming around getting the layup. But on that play, a play that's going to be talked about a whole lot, Brad Davidson coming around the screen set by Connor McCaffrey. This is something that has been a a talking point with Brad Davidson. He's dirty. There's no two ways about it. This is a dirty basketball player. There are clips of him out there stepping underneath the foot of a rebounder, doing it against jump shooters. For anybody that's played basketball at any level, You understand it's not the way the game's played. Brad Davidson has limitations. He's not a physical specimen. He's not a guy that's getting out there and playing in the Big Ten because of athletic ability. That's not his game. you got to cut some corners. But you can cut corners without being outright dirty. Unfortunately, that's what Davidson is. He's dirty. He is a dirty player, and it's not about taking shortcuts and grabbing a little bit more and holding a little bit more. Taking Shots like this. There's video out there. I saw it was retweeted last night by Chad Lystico of the Des Moines Register of him coming around that screen and not hooking, as he said in the postgame comments, not hooking at the leg of Connor McCaffrey. No, he went after the groin. He went with a shot. Yeah, right there to the giblets. You can't do that. You can't do that. It's not good basketball. It's not trying to do the most, to doing whatever it is to take to win. Now, that's not what it is. It's dirty. It's a dirty player. And this is something that has happened in Wisconsin for a long time. Now, Not at this level. But this is the part of Big Ten basketball and this brand of basketball from the Michigan States and the clutching and the grabbing and the holding that they do and the Purdue's and the Wisconsin's. These are the things that has been constituted year after year by the NCAA. We're going to clean this up. And it happens early. And in November, they'll call a couple extra fouls. And those talking points, those officiating points that they need to hit, they'll work on them early on. But then, as the season progresses, it falls apart. And they don't do it anymore. And then you get into conference play, and this is what you see. The same old garbage, game in and game out. The same old play and level of play from the tough teams. And I guess that constitutes toughness in the world of basketball. Being cheap. That's what this was, cheap. And great to see it called, called correctly by the officiating crew, getting it done. That's what you have to do. Iowa gets a win 68 62. They're fifth in a row, which is incredible in its own right. We talked about this stretch coming on the heels of the loss to Wisconsin, Nebraska on the road. And the five games for them at home, boy, you felt they have to be at minimum three and two. If they could get to four and one, now we're really cooking with fire. And 5-0, and oh, it really didn't feel like it was on the table right after that loss. Instead, they've ripped off five consecutive wins. They go to Maryland, who got a nice win themselves on the road against Indiana coming back late in that game on Sunday. But a big opportunity, certainly right there, for the Hawkeyes to continue this momentum. Down by 12, with seven minutes left in the game and change. Iowa had a 7.9% chance to win that basketball game. They erased the lead very quickly. They have the big run at the end of the game, get the lead on the Tucson bucket. Speaking of Joe Toussaint, there's still going to be games where Joe Toussaint looks like a freshman. And we've seen that plenty this year. There have been games where he's been taken out of the game early and doesn't reappear. There's been games where he's gone out there. The Cincinnati game, I think, is the prime example of that. When they played over in Chicago against the Bearcats, he was awful. And every time he got into the game, he was a turnover waiting to happen. And there's still going to be those moments. There's still going to be those games where he just doesn't look right. Gets going too fast, can't control his pace, making turnovers, passing the ball. But that was not his play last night. Plus, minus, which is, I don't think, the best stat to really fully encapture, encapture what you're seeing on a hardwood. I, I think there's better analytical numbers out there, but it at least gives you a little bit of a snapshot. And in the game last night, Joe Toussaint had the best plus-minus for the team. Plus-16. Next best couple of guys were plus-7. When he was on the floor, Iowa outscored the Badgers by 16 points. Now you got Toussaint coupled with Frederick for the next four years. a three years of change, I guess you could say. Because these guys aren't NBA one-and-donners. These are college players that are going to be there for a long time. Have to be excited about that and the future of Iowa basketball, along with the present, which is pretty good itself. Two eight Let's get out to the phone lines. You're on Miller and Condon. Who do we got? Hello, caller. Get back to us. 284-5966. Dialed up. Wait on hold. I'll get to you here in just a minute. The other side, from Toussaint to C.J. Frederick. Of that freshman backcourt. And as they're walking off the floor. And it's very difficult to pick up. From the audio. As Kevin Kugler was talking loudly at the game. And I'm not sure exactly what was said. But it, as we talked about it got chippy at the end. Luca Garza took another shot to the face. Surprise, surprise. And as he did. He got up. Very angrily. Hollered something to the bench. Of Wisconsin. Got into it. And there was, there was some jawing going on. But as the final horn sounds and there's a Wisconsin player walking by, Cedar Frederick said something of the like. Get the blank off my court. Swagger. Toughness. Heart. Things that can't be measured. Things that you can't put at KenPom.com. Not going to find it at Warren Nolan. There is no heart index out there. There's no toughness. Those kind of things can't be. And toughness isn't about... Hitting a guy in the groin. Toughness isn't about grabbing a guy as they're going to the rim. That's not toughness. Toughness, this is mental toughness. This is when you're down 12, being able to come back. And not dropping your head. The game where you're 10-19 on layups. And 3-20 from 3. And finding a way to win a basketball game. That's the sixth victory of the season for Iowa in Quad 1. Quad 1 victories, they're constituted as this. Wins at home against teams ranked in the top 30 of the net. Neutral court, one through fifty teams, or wins on the road, one through fifty. Top team in the country right now in terms of victories is Kansas. They're eight and three with that number. Next up on the list, Seton Hall, seven and four. Baylor, six and one, and also with six victories, is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa now six and three against Quad One. These are your toughest games on your schedule. Oregon's 5 and 2, Butler's 5 and 2, a uh, 5 and 4, Penn State 5 and 4, Creighton Wisconsin both 5 and 5. Those are the top teams in the country in terms of wins against Quad 1. I was going to have a lot more opportunities of these. The schedule now does get more difficult. Starting Thursday at Maryland. Home for Illinois that is playing as well as anybody in the Big 10. You go on the road to Purdue, never an easy place to play. The one game of the remaining The one game not against a quad one opponent is a home game against Nebraska Saturday, February 4th, and then they finish up with eight games all against quad one teams. Quad one constituting either road or home. Back-to-back roadies at Indiana, Minnesota. Home for Ohio State. Michigan State on the road. Penn State and Purdue, 24th and 23rd right now in the rankings at home, and they finish up with Illinois, who is number 22, that one on the road. On March 8th. That is the way the schedule sets up. There's going to be plenty more opportunities. And now has put themselves in a position. Just keep your head above water. At a minimum do that. Don't have another fade in February. Don't collapse and lose 6 out of 7 down the stretch. Anything like that. And not only do they an NCAA tournament team. But you can start talking about more. And the other steps that are going to be there. The first one is something that hasn't happened in 40 years. I've never seen it in my lifetime. I was born in 1980. The year before. 1979. Iowa's last regular season title. They're a game back in the standings. Now this is going to have to mean not just winning your home games, but also finding a way to win road games. What's it going to take? Is 14-6 and six good enough? Maybe. And Michigan State continues to at least, at least show some cracks. It lost last week on the road to Indiana. Michigan State still has to go to Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois. And Nebraska. Maryland and Penn State, though. Those are all short of the Nebraska game. Incredibly difficult road games still remaining for Michigan State. That's a tough stretch for them. And maybe 14-6 isn't crazy. They have two losses right now. The Hawkeye's a game back. There's a slew of teams at the top of the Big Ten. You got Michigan State and Illinois both seven and two. Iowa, Maryland Rutgers, six and three, followed by Indiana alone at five and four, and a couple of five and five teams in Wisconsin and Minnesota, both at an even five hundred five and five on the year. Start dreaming a little bit. Been a long time. It's been over forty years since Iowa's won a regular season title. The other part is getting this team to the second weekend, getting to a sweet sixteen. You do that, the easiest way to advance is to play teams you're better than. To keep moving up that seed list, I went anywhere between a four and six seed in most of the brackets that are out there at this point. The thing about being a top four seed is, as long as there's availability, you're supposed to play close to home. If Iowa continues to build themselves up, that means going to St. Louis or going to Omaha for the first and second round. That means playing close to home, having a lot of Hawkeye fans there. And it's easier when you're playing close to home and you got the home fan base in that building to win those games. It's going to be fun. This team seems different. They look different. They feel different. Are they different? Are we are going to see in the month of February? We're going to take a timeout coming back on the other side. We're going to Miami. Ted Hasslip with the Sporting News is going to join us. We'll talk about Super Bowl 54, Chiefs and 49ers. We will get into that with him. But before that, it's time to pay your bills with iHeartRadio in 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Text the keyword... Taxi to 200-200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. That's Taxi to 200-200.
2: You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest.
1: We're talking Super Bowl next as we continue. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.
2: Ken Miller,
0: Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO.
2: And now on 106.3 FM.
1: Kind of back with you here on a Tuesday morning. Glad to have you aboard. 1460 KXNO and now 106.3 FM. It's Miller and Conan. Well, let's get out to the phone lines. And our first guest of the morning, he is Tad Haslip with the Sporty News, has just arrived in Miami. Hit the ground running. It was Chiefs Media Availability. Tad, have you had a chance to catch your breath?
2: <laughs> Not really. Uh, we landed in here this morning, hit the ground running. Uh came basically straight over to the Chiefs team hotel. Uh, and then we were very, very lucky. Got here just in time for the start of the ability. But the thing is with this week is is this isn't the only chance, right? Like, And and that's something that these players have to overcome. Like, it, This is every day. Like, day. They're meeting people like me who they've probably never met before, and there's hundreds just like me um, asking the questions. And inevitably they're going to be asked the same questions all week. Um, but it's about... You know, kind of putting that stuff aside, keeping the focus on the game. That's why you hear so many guys talk about it's important to stay focused. Um, and it's easy to see in a setting like this because there's hordes of people that they've never met asking questions that they don't want to answer, uh, and then they got to they got to deal with that all week.
1: It's certainly one of the oddities of the Super Bowl every single year. And not just the people that are there to cover the game like you, that cover of the NFL 365, but you get the goofiness that happens on media night. Uh it's turned into such a dog and pony show out there and and people try to one up each other when you get into the different kind of settings though I mean that really dissipates more as the week goes on, doesn't it?
2: It absolutely does like and, and then eventually at the end of the week, there's just like it's basically a hotel ballroom, and every player is just sitting there at tables and then you can go up and talk to them if you want um which is you know with with opening night like like you said, yeah it's become more of a circus than anything else, right It's just about the showmanship—it's about—it's—it's it's more of a TV product than anything else, which is why you know we didn't even bother to go this year, quite frankly. Uh, but yeah, like the, the longer the week goes, you know, people have had a chance to ask whatever questions it is they want to ask. And then, you know, basically Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the players can go 100% focused on the game. Not that they're not already narrowly focused on the game, but at that point. Uh, most of the media obligations are out of the way and they can just, you know, focus on the game.
1: So what were you chasing today on the Chief side of things? Obviously, Kansas City, just two and a half hours to ourself. Plenty of Chief fans in our market. What were you looking to get when you're talking to the Kansas City guys?
2: Yeah, I spent a lot of time talking to Tyron Matthew. Um He was the, the first person I wanted to speak with. You know, obviously, you know, the crowds around the Travis Kelseys and the Patrick Mahomes of the world, those those are massive. and You know, th- those guys are going to be drawing a lot of the headlines. But I just think... Tyron Matthew has such an interesting story um, get, dating all the way back to his time at LSU when he was dismissed from the football program and he had a time in his life where he wasn't exactly sure what was going to happen, what it was, what, was he going to end up the draft, was he going to try to return to college. Um, and then you, you, you fast forward and then he's he's cut by the Cardinals because he refuses to take a pay cut. He signs a one-year deal with the Texans, basically prove a deal, and then he finally gets his, his cash in with the Chiefs. Oh, and by the way, he had three major, major injuries uh, throughout that career, and he actually told me that but there was a time that he didn't think that football was for him. When he had that third injury of the shoulder injury, he had already had two ACLs, one on each knee. Um, he had to do a lot of soul-searching, and it was Tyvon Branch, former Cardinal safety, uh, who told him, hey, you know, I've, I've never finished a season healthy. I've finished every season on IR, basically. Um, and he explained to him, they had a conversation like, hey, you can do this, keep your head in it. This game is absolutely for you. And here he is. He's a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Um, he's the clear leader of this defense. They brought him in specifically to do that. Um, and then, the, of course, the turnaround that you've seen from this defense this year uh, has, uh, has a lot to do with him. So he's an interesting case to me. I'm going to just put together a little timeline on him and kind of plug in some quotes. It, it, he just has a very interesting story. And he's a very, very big part of this team.
1: No doubt that defense as a whole has improved so much in the back half of the season, not just overall, but against the run. They've been a whole lot better. I'm going to guess that's going to be one of the kind of X's and O's storylines after what we saw from San Francisco a week ago in the NFC Championship game. Their ability to run the football is how, how geared up this Kansas City defense is going to be to be able to slow them down at that front. Well,
2: there's no doubt about it. I mean, that's the key to the game. I mean, you look at the NFC Championship game and what – the 49ers did to the Packers. Well, statistically, the Packers' defense was slightly better than the Chiefs' rush defense, and so that, you know, that's not great for Kansas City. But like you said, the way that they played in the second half of the season, uh, that's that's a different team. So, like, the, the entirety of the season you can't really look at here. You have to look at the way they've been playing recently, and that suggests that they're going to have a chance to do well. And, I mean, look what they did against Derrick Henry in the next championship game. They knew that this is our key to victory. We have to shut this guy down, and they did it. Uh, it's a little bit trickier with the 49ers, obviously, because they run so much backfield motion, uh, a lot of misdirection. They have three running backs who can get after you, incredible blocking up front, including at the tight end and wide receiver position. So the 49ers run game, it truly is a 10 11 man rushing attack. Like you never know what hole they're going to go to. It's not just, oh, bottle up Derrick Henry. It's a lot more complicated than that. So it's a totally different monster to going up against, but there is no doubt that that is the number 1 key to the game for them.
1: You know, another storyline that continues to be out there is, you know, the Chiefs say they can't handle getting down like they did those first two playoff games, and I still don't know if I buy that because, A, I don't see the 49ers running away and putting 35, 42, 49 on the board. With Kansas City and Mahomes even against this great 49 defense, I still think they come back. I don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making that out to be.
2: No, I tend to agree with you. I think the, the one difference that San Francisco has and what he else has is, is the ridiculous pass rush. Like mm-hmm. the, in, in terms of just being able to send four or five and not blitz anyone, like no one in the league is better at that. So you know if, if there is some sort of a deficit um, and if the Chiefs are forced into one-dimensional mode, that could be an issue. But like you said, Trent, like the matchup problems that they're going to present Forty 49 like sure, 49ers have Richard Sherman who's going to lock down one side of the field, but that doesn't matter to the Chiefs really in the, in the way this offense is operating right now. Um, so you're right. I mean, that's that's going to be something we've got for it, is can, you know, that offensive line protect Mahomes long enough, can he get the ball quickly enough uh, to kind of neutralize that pass rush? Because if that's the situation, and that's what, that's how the 49ers have been winning their game. They've been jumping out to lead, um, forcing the opponent to be one-dimensional, and then they just have no chance. Like you said, the Chiefs are built a little bit differently. They have, an MVP caliber quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. So that that is definitely a good way to balance out the pass rush for sure.
1: Schematically, what do you anticipate? I mean, we're going to see more quick hitters from Kansas City, something like that to combat, set up more screens. What do you think Kansas City is going to do just to do anything to slow down? Because the tackles are fine out on the edge. I, the, the offensive line as a whole isn't great for Kansas City, but they're good at the tackle spot still. What do you think they're going to do to combat the speed?
2: Well, I, I think if they can establish a run, um, not in a similar way as they've run in the past. Like I know, um, in the in the two playoff games, it was a little bit different just because they were playing from behind. Uh, but they didn't abandon the run in those games totally. Um, and I think early, that's the key. Like just like the Chiefs have to stop the Forty ers running game. Like the Forty ers have to know that the Chiefs are going to try to attack them with the rush. And I know it's not the strength of this offense. But if you can keep the game flow in your control. Um, and not let the 49ers jump out to the lead like that. Like it's just going to open up everything else for the D. So I would expect, I would expect them to be a little grounded, like in the first quarter, not trying to do anything too crazy. Maybe you take one or two shots simply because you have so much speed and you have Patrick Mahomes, but you don't need to go too crazy. Um, just keep in mind, San Francisco can ball control really well too. So I think if they can try to maybe beat the Forty ers at their own game in a weird way, I, I think that could be a good approach.
1: Monday's opening night for Super Bowl Fifty Four. One of the uh, stars of the night was an assistant coach, something you don't see very often, but the 49ers' offensive assistant, Katie Sowers, going to become the first female member of an NFL staff to coach in a Super Bowl. It was a big story last night. I'm sure it's going to be a continued story here throughout the week and certainly an advancement for women wanting to get into the game.
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, they're, they're going to make the 49ers' assistance available uh, to the media either tomorrow or Thursday. I can't remember which day. She's going to be a hit once again. Like, it's every time that they're made available, you're going to start seeing more headlines, more tweets, more videos featuring her. It's an amazing story. She's an amazing coach, Apparently, an amazing person. Um, so it's it's just you just like to see it, you know, especially with the league struggling to diversify in this coaching. It's funny, like, you see this diverse coaching staff of 49ers, you see the diverse coaching staff with the Chiefs. And what's another coach who who loves to diversify his coaching staff? Bill Belichick. Like, there's a common thread here. Um, some of the most successful teams aren't afraid to do this, and they understand the benefits. Of that diversity and and just just the the smarts that these people can can offer and it's, it's it's a nice fresh um approach that some of these teams are taking um and i'm glad to see that the 49ers are being rewarded for it
1: talking nfl super bowl as tad haslip from the sporting news he is in miami here on miller and Condon on KXNO. tad one final thing before we let you go let you uh, well get checked into your hotel and do a little sun in and funny down there in miami <laughs> It is our first ever for people that haven't heard heard Tad and I talk throughout the years. We're both uniform guys. We love the <laughs> looking at what the uniform matchups are going to be. Those types of things, new uniforms. It's a conversation seemingly every summer. This is our first ever Super Bowl red on red, and the matchup. I'll tell you, looking at the uniform combinations doesn't wow me here.
2: Well, so that's so. Here's my thing. Like I like contrast. So. I'm not going to say that I was rooting for one team or another in the NFC championship game, but let's say, for example, the Packers uh, would have advanced, and I know they have the gold pants, so you got, you got the gold on gold there. I just like when one team looks different than the other team. So, like, I this drives me nuts every year with, like, the Bengals and the Browns. Like, if the Bengals are playing the Browns, don't wear orange. Don't wear the same color as the other team has. I don't know why. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Trent, you and I are similar <laughs> in this regard, so you probably might feel the same way. Uh-huh. I agree with you that, that that's, that's why the uniform matchup doesn't wow me, but however... San Francisco does have the gold pants. It's a different shade of gold than the Chiefs have, obviously. So you do get a little bit of contrast there. And, of course, the gold helmets versus the red helmets. It's it's just enough contrast. Like, if they, if they were flipped um, and the 49ers were the home team and they were wearing their red jerseys and their gold pants and the uh, Chiefs were in their red pants, then I think it would be even worse. Yes. Uh, so I'm just glad that Kansas City happens to be the uh, the home team here because those – I mean, look, you know, in a vacuum, those red uniforms are freaking gorgeous. Same with the 49ers uniforms, but you're right together on the same field it doesn't really give the aesthetics uh, that that you and i like to to see
1: yes the contrast that's a great way to put it love to see the back and forth the first time ever two teams with red as their primary color playing against each other in the super bowl one of well some of the silly storylines that are out there let's hope we see a good game we'll let you go with this tad who do you got who's going to win super bowl 54
2: i have the 49ers i i i pick them from the beginning, I was I was actually very surprised when the Chiefs uh, opened as favorites uh, for this game. And not only that, uh, we put out just a simple Twitter poll, just simply who do you think is going to win, and like 60 to 65% of the results lean Chiefs. And, and look, I get it. This is the Patrick Mahomes factor. He's playing at a ridiculous level. Defense has improved. There are a lot of reasons to like the Chiefs, and that's why I think it will be a good game. I just think the 49ers are clearly the more complete team, clearly the better team, top to bottom. Um, if the quarterback factor is that big of a deal, sure. I, I guess you could argue the Chiefs have the edge. I just, I look at this 49ers team and I don't see any weaknesses. Um, and, and you can't quite say that about the Chiefs, although they're darn close. Um, but just, just the complete packages of that team, they're clicking on all cylinders with the coaching staff and the play calling. Um, it's just, it's really hard for me to see this run ending. Um, it's a surprising run considering where they were last year, but I think everyone kind of knew once Jimmy Garoppolo got healthy and had a full season under him that this was possible, um, and now you're seeing with Kyle Shanahan leading a team to a Super Bowl with his astute play calling once again. So I like the 49ers in a very close game. I'm thinking three or four points. Um, so as long as it's good, like you said, I think that's all that matters.
1: You say uh, you don't see a weakness over there. I still got my questions about Jimmy G. That's why I'm on the Chief <laughs> side of this one. We will find out late on Sunday night. Tad, thank you so much for your time, and enjoy Miami.
2: Yeah, thanks, Trent.
1: Tad Haslip. Sporting News, follow him on Twitter, at Tad Haslip. As where you can find him. lots of great work. Him, Vinny Iyer, and the whole crew with the Sporting News down in Miami, getting ready for Super Bowl Fifty Four. Quick timeout when we come back on the other side. Going to shift shift our focus back to the local level. Athletic Director at Drake University. We will talk with Brian Harden coming your way next. It's Miller and Condon on fourteen sixty KXNO, and now on hundred. 10- I'm a dream builder.
0: Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO.
1: And now on 106.3 FM. Check out to back with you here, taking you up till noon on a Tuesday. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. Happy to be joined right now by the athletic director at Drake University. It is Brian Harden as he joins us here on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. Brian, it's been a long time coming and a good to get you onto the program here. Certainly plenty to go on with, Drake's home, with Des Moines' hometown team, the Drake Bulldogs. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, good morning,
0: Trent. It's uh, it, it has been a long time coming. I'm excited to to get on with you.
1: Well, first things first. Uh, a look towards the weekend coming up here. And very cool. The announcement coming down that. Well, it's a uh, big news for Drake as you continue to build this brand, becoming Des Moines' hometown team. Pretty cool. What's happened with you guys over the weekend?
0: Yeah, we're we're excited about it. You know, this is something that uh, talked about for a while. Uh, I mean, I think you know, going back, you know, going back to uh, my initial press conference a couple of years ago, uh, even prior to that, I mean, Drake has always tried to build itself as, as being Des Moines hometown team of being, being the, you know, a, a, an option here in town, that whether you're a Hawkeye or a cyclone, you can still cheer for the Bulldogs. And, you know, you, where having grown up in, in Des Moines and, and spent the first 18 years of my life here. I, I know that you can't be both a Hawk and a clone is that you're, you're one or the other, but, but there, there can be room in your life for the Bulldogs, whether you, uh, like the black and gold or the cardinal gold, you can still come out and support the the blue and white of, of the bulldogs here. So, a chance to kind of you know do something special here uh, with with our student athletes, with, with our women's basketball team on Friday night, men's basketball team on on Saturday, and, and we're looking forward to hopefully get uh, getting a, a nice crowd here and doing a lot of different fun things that were kind of remind folks of just kind of how great Drake is uh, in our great community here, and, and hoping to have some fun with it.
1: Well, you, uh, with it, you're going to be also wearing, uh, see the Drake players wearing the jerseys that were uh, came out, what, a week or two ago. First got to see the first glimpse of them. Has Des Moines in the script across the chest with the skyline up above it there. They, they are absolutely beautiful uniforms. I'm going to guess there's been a lot of people wondering, hey, can I get myself one of those jerseys?
0: Yeah, so we, so we have, so the T shirt version are, are available. You know, I, for people that have. Uh, you know, a, a, a pale complexion like me or a build like me, probably, you know, the, the tank top isn't always at the best look. Uh, so we have t-shirts, short sleeve t-shirts available at the Drake Bookstore, available here at the Nap Center. Uh, it's also available at Shields, uh, but also the, the long-sleeve version is also available over at the Shield store at Jordan Creek there in, in West Des Moines. Uh, but the, the jerseys, the actual authentic jersey top and jersey shorts are available. You can go on to uh, onto on our website, and it's just grow, go, go, com slash DSM uniforms. And you can actually purchase those. The You'll need the, the, the window of time to do that it is, is closing pretty quickly. So I, I would definitely do that here this week. But the, the jerseys are great. You now it's, we, uh, it a great collaboration with John Bosley. And anybody who has been to the farmer's market downtown knows who Boz Prince is. And John did a great job of, of designing, uh, these uniforms with, with us. And, and, there's just some really neat, uh, aspects to it, whether it's the, the skyline, uh, there uh, that, that's, uh, that's on the front, whether it's, a, it's the, 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 Des Moines script that we have that we're putting on the front of our jerseys and taking Drake off for this weekend. Uh, you know, the, the piping on, on this, on the, uh, there on the jerseys have, have two blue lines and the, and, you know, the, the two blue lines are there to represent, you know, the Des Moines River and the Raccoon River. And of course, the, the confluence of those are, is where Des Moines was founded many years ago. Uh, but even then, at at the base of the shore, so you've you've got the 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 bridges design that you now see on the uh, the the new city of Des Moines flag. You know that that flag's been around for a while, but it's most recently been kind of you know christened as the official flag of Des Moines. And so we we tried to find some ways to kind of pay you know our uh, respect and homage to uh, to the city of Des Moines in, in some different ways, and and we're we're excited about you know wearing those. The, the athletes are excited about it. And We've got a, you know some some neat things planned in terms of promotional items, and other aspects during the game uh, that will happen on Friday and Saturday. A
1: couple years into this, we're talking with Brian Harden. He's the athletic director at Drake. A little more than two years into it, Brian, what has been maybe more difficult than you anticipated making your way to Drake?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think one thing that we continue to, to fight every day is just trying to make people aware of what we're doing. And, you know, just that we've got great student athletes, great coaches. You know, you just look at the, the basketball side. You, I, I don't think that we, we could ask for... A, a better pair of people, Jenny Bronchek and Darren DeVries, to represent us, and they, they do a great job of, of having the teams take on their personalities and, and how they play, but how they re, you know, represent themselves and conduct their business off the court, what they do in the classroom, what what they do in our community is fantastic. But just trying to, to make people aware of kind of all that's going on here, making people people even aware of when we have games, making sure they, they know that, hey, there's, you know, the, the men played this past Sunday at, at, at 3 o'clock against a team that was picked to, to win the Missouri Valley Conference preseason. How are people aware of that? You know, we've got games coming up, you know, the women play this Friday at 6 o'clock and our, our men play Saturday at 5 o'clock, making sure that they, they know that, you know, there's, not a lot of other competition going on, you know, in, in terms of, you know, what Iowa and Iowa State are doing here this weekend. Why not come down to the Nap Center? And, you know, it's, it, it's tougher, we, we found, uh, than I thought it might be, to, to get the word out, you know, to, to alert the masses as to what's going on and try to get, get those casual fans to come down and, and understand that, you know, it, you know the Nap Center for most people uh, is only 15 to, is less than 15 or 20 minutes away. Uh, it, it's an affordable, uh, entertainment option you can bring down your family and friends. Uh, that the access that you can get to our our players or our, our coaches, where you can sit in the arena is closer than you can get almost in any other sporting venue in, in our state, for, you know, compared to to the cost you're going to spend. So I would say just developing that awareness of that, uh, just kind of even when our teams are in action, it has been more challenging than I thought uh, it would be. We're, we're trying to do some different things. With you know Michael Admire done a great job and. Uh, of, of kind of pushing out the, the digital storytelling component. Ty Pat and his office do doing an amazing job of, of creating those storylines. It's just making sure that people are, are always aware of, of what we're doing and, uh, so they can get out here and, and, and find a way to, to cheer on the hometown team.
1: You know, it is a different world with not Creighton in, in Wichita State, not in the MVC. The attendance numbers are down for Drake, and that's at least surprising to me. As you look back at last year, tying for the regular season title with Loyola, winning product on the floor again this year, 15-6 and six on the season. MVC play now. You've had, what, four or five home games already this year, and, and just we haven't seen that big uptick there. Is that concerning at all to you, just, just saying, what else can we do here? We're putting the product out there. we got a winner on the floor. Why aren't more people showing up on the men's side?
0: yeah you know it 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 is it, it's frustrating uh you know we we actually we saw our, our men's basketball season tickets increase by about fifteen percent this year, year over year uh our women's basketball season tickets uh set another record they, should, they they broke the record they set last year in terms of most tickets that are out there uh and so it, from that standpoint you're really pleased with with the direction going but it's it's the more the, the single game kind of walk up crowd that uh you just can't we're trying to struggle to figure out kind of what why can what why is that um We've got an exciting product. You know, we, we they're playing really well. I mean, our our men have won 15 games in a row at home. Our women have won 14 games in a row at home. I, I don't think there's any school in the country that has both their men's and women's teams with that, that long of, of win streaks at home. You know, we're something like a combined 43 and four over the last two years in the NAP Center between our men's and women's teams. So you're going to come out and you're going to see a really fun, exciting atmosphere uh, with, with teams, and you're going to you have a great chance to see a victory. Trying to, to to knock you know knock down those walls and and try to figure out how to, you know why can't this have you know five six seven thousand people in it uh it, it it's frustrating but we're gonna we're gonna keep doing it because we we we've got uh, we got two great products um you know this weekend you know, we'll, we'll try a couple different things this weekend in terms of you know the first thousand fans on Friday uh, Friday we'll get a. A rally towel in the shape of, of the jersey that the team will be wearing that night on saturday you know there's a, the first thousand fans are getting a, a koozie that is in the same shape as the uh as the jersey the team's going to be wearing we'll, we'll, you know we had a great student turnout for the men's game on sunday so we're, we're doing more t-shirt giveaways for our students for friday night and saturday night at, at the game we'll do some cool things with local police and fire on uh on friday during halftime with the assist arrest performing on saturday or in halftime so we're trying to find some different ways to, to drive folks out here uh, attendance across the board in a lot of areas is, is, is down, so this is, this is not something that's unique to, to Drake, nor is it a referendum on anything that, that we're doing here. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we, but because of the success we've had, because of the people we have running uh, our two programs and the great people within our both those programs, you like to see them get uh, rewarded by having larger crowds, and we're, we're going to keep working on that.
1: Well, less than three months away, and uh, basketball season will be in the rearview mirror. Hopefully, some hardware for the Drake Bulldogs, but before you know it, Drake Relays will be here, and I know something near and dear to your heart as you made your way to Drake.
0: Yeah, no, I mean the Drake Relays really kind of put our athletic department on the map over 100 years ago, and, and you know the, the last weekend of April really kind of serves as that unofficial kickoff to spring for Central Iowa, and, and there's no better way to, to celebrate that than by coming down to the Drake Relays. You know, we'll have uh, you know again 200 plus high schools from basically every county in the state. We'll be represented here. We'll have great universities and colleges that will be here. And this is an Olympic year. So we will have uh, some of those elite athletes who will be beginning, so they're starting to, to they're, they're train for the Olympic trials and for the Summer Olympics in, in Tokyo uh, that will be here on, on the Blue Oval. And it's, you know, there, there's no annual event in central Iowa that does as much for our community as, as the Drake Relays. Uh, so we're, we're excited. You can't get here. Soon enough, although I I uh, I will wait for the snow to melt and uh, and hopefully we'll get the great weather for the realers this year and, and people can come out and and really kind of celebrate the kickoff to spring.
1: Men's team with the road trip Indiana State tomorrow before coming home for the big weekend and the hometown team with Southern Illinois in town and little payback there for the Salukis, right?
0: Yeah, no, that that was uh you know out of uh, all of our Missouri Valley Conference games so far, that was probably the one that I think we kind of scratched our heads at the most. Just the gosh, what what happened there? So. We will, uh, we've got a big, big task ahead of us on the men's side here, uh, with Indiana State tomorrow night, uh, but certainly getting the chance to, to play at home against Southern Illinois, uh, it, it would be nice for us to, uh, maintain the advantage that we've had here inside the NAP Center and, and, Getting that a nice full crowd will certainly help us do
1: that. Brian, thank you so much for your time today. Looking forward to the weekend. Should be a great one. Women's game on Friday night, Saturday, with the men's side of things. Tickets available go GoDrakeBulldogs.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, Brian. It's been too long, and we'll do it again when Ken's back, all right?
0: Sounds good. Thanks, Brian.
1: Brian Harden, the athletic director at Drake, joining us here on Miller & Condon. we got an hour down. Still one more to go here on Miller & Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now... 106.3 FM. We're going to kick off hour two. Talking more Hawk guys, John Bonacamp from Sports Illustrated, part of the Maven. He's going to join us to kick off the hour. More on the victory against Wisconsin last night. Some football, a little wins basketball as well. We'll get into that with John Bonacamp. And a big wrestling meet coming to this weekend. Plus Zuba Mahete from ESPN. All to come on hour number.